The Old Testament lesson for today is from Exodus chapter 35, verses 20 through 29. This can be found on page 89 of your pure Bible. Moses calls upon the Israelites to bring an offering to the Lord of time, talent, and treasure to provide for the construction of the tabernacle. The description of all the materials they bring emphasizes the people's willingness of heart to contribute to this undertaking. A reading from Exodus, chapter 35, beginning with the 20th verse. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed Acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I had an experience with God. It was a real personal encounter with a personal God, with the Holy Spirit. I had experienced the presence of God before in my life, but never so palpably as I did on this day. I'm talking about the first time I worshiped here at Stanwich Church. It was 10 and a half years ago, the summer of 2011. Nancy and I came and worshiped here, not knowing that I would be called to be a pastor here. I remember the day really well. Pastor Joan, you preached the sermon that day. I was really moved by it, yeah. And Anna was leading worship along with Jonathan Curry. I don't know if you remember Jonathan Curry, who's since moved away. And many of you were here. I had wonderful encounters with lots of people, including ministers. But it was really the Holy Spirit 
that had a major influence on me. The Holy Spirit stirred my heart. The Holy Spirit reorganized some of the thoughts of my intellect. It was like a full mind, body, spirit experience and encounter. I remember being moved to tears that day. Well, you can tell how much I loved that experience with encountering the Holy Spirit because I've been here pretty much every Sunday ever since. (laughs) And I can honestly tell you that the feeling has not faded one bit. Every week when I come, I get to do this twice every Sunday and experience the personal presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Today we're looking at the contributions that the Israelites brought to construct the tabernacle. And just a few chapters after the one we're reading today, they get to worship in the tabernacle. And they too got to experience the presence of God. In Exodus chapter 40, it talks about how the glory of God filled the tabernacle, it filled the sanctuary. That very same presence of God that we get to experience when we come together for worship, the ancient people got to experience him too. And we're going to look at it together today to learn a little bit more about what that means. What's our contribution to the personal encounter with God? And what's God's contribution? What can we learn from it together? We've been following the Israelites on their journey through the Old Testament, as you know, if you've been following along. Last Sunday, we saw them give their gold to the golden calf. But this Sunday, they're going to give their gold once again to the construction of a worship place called the tabernacle. Let's pick up the story in verse 21 to hear how it's going for them. Verse 21 says, And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. You see that phrase, the tent of meeting? That's the phrase we use for the tabernacle. The people are wandering still in the wilderness. They're not in the promised land. They have not constructed the temple in Jerusalem, which would be the permanent home for them to experience worshiping God. So they're in this wandering place and God gives them instructions to build a tabernacle, a tent of meeting. I brought an illustration with me today to show you what this uh, tabernacle probably looked like. You can see here that it's made out of all these garments. It's not a permanent place made out of stone. This room right here is the Holy of Holies. The Ark of the Covenant is in there, and that's where the tablets of the Ten Commandments lie. And over here, there's a lot of objects we could learn a lot about. There's this priest standing outside. I want to tell you a little bit about him in just a moment, but first I want to show you how our children right now in the children's wing are learning about the tabernacle. Can you show them that? That's the uh, children's wing right now. Tracy and Ashley worked really hard this week to construct a, you know, an experiential learning environment so the kids can learn about the tabernacle. I hesitated showing that to you because I wondered how many of you might want to just leave and <laughs> go learn with them. Pretty cool, right? If you want to learn more about the tabernacle, ask your kids at lunch today. We're actually not going to focus very much on all the objects in the tabernacle. For this sermon, we're going to look more at what was happening among the people as they constructed the tabernacle. But there are two objects in the tabernacle I do want to show you. Go back to that previous slide, if you would, Max. I mentioned this priest. He's standing in something that's not pictured here. There would be a large bronze altar where lambs were being sacrificed. So as people came towards the tabernacle to encounter God, 
First, they would experience this atoning sacrifice where a lamb would be sacrificed. A lamb would be killed on this altar. And there was lots of blood in the descriptions in the Old Testament. And occasionally, the priest would sprinkle some of that blood on the people, which sounds really gross to us. But to them, it was a very joyful experience because what they were being reminded of is that the lamb was atoning for their sin so that they wouldn't have to. The blood of the lamb was a reminder that God's justice was being done, but it was being enacted on the lamb and not them. So they would encounter this altar on their way to meeting with God, being reminded of their sins being forgiven. We come into this room to worship and we have this altar table right in the center of the whole room where we don't have a lamb that's being sacrificed, but we have the elements of the bread and the juice to remind us of Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we take that juice and we take it into our bodies to remind ourselves that we don't have to die for our sins. Jesus did it for us. There's another object in here. It's this holy of holies. Um, you can go back to the other one, Max, real quick. I wanted to show you, this is the cool part that Tracy set up. See the lamb and the altar sacrifice? So the children are going to be learning about that today uh, and how that lamb points to Jesus. But this holy of holies that they constructed, that's a, that place where five chapters later it would say that the glory of God would come and fill so that the people, when they came into worship in the tabernacle, would have that same heart-stirring experience that I described feeling when I come into this room to worship with all of you. That phrase, heart stirred, you can take that down, Max, is an important, I don't know if you noticed that in in the verse that I read. It says, everyone whose heart was stirred. That's an important phrase. It's actually used five times in this one paragraph. That as the people are being instructed to construct the tabernacle, it says their hearts were stirred. And there's another phrase that's repeated four times, and that phrase is that they brought their contribution to the Lord. God stirred hearts to give something to God. See, God is doing almost all of the acting here. When he invites us into worship, when he invites us into an encounter with him in communal worship in his sanctuary. Pay attention to those phrases as I read the next couple of verses. As we watch these people, their hearts stirred to bring a contribution to the tabernacle for the Lord. We pick it up in verse 22. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, that's that same phrase, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Those might seem like strange and archaic objects to us, but to them, these were fine, luxurious items uh, crafted meticulously for the glory of God. Verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it, there's that phrase again, as the Lord's contribution. Everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands. Notice people aren't just bringing expensive items. They're not just bringing costly finances to the construction of the temple. They're also bringing their skills, their time, 
and their talent. And they brought all that they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. Verse 26, there's more about that skill. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And it goes on from there to describe even more meticulous details of people bringing their time and their talent. Now, what's really cool about this to me is these were real people. We read about this paragraph and be quick just to move on to the next paragraph in the story, but I want to just stop and realize these were real people in history whose hearts were stirred to bring their time, their talent, and their treasure to construct what would be the meeting place, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the sanctuary, where people could experience and encounter that heart-stirring presence of God. I can't wait to get to glory, to get to heaven and talk with some of these people. I want to find the goat hair weaver (laughs) and ask what that was like. The reason I pause and remember that these were real people is because this wonderful tradition continues today. The experience I had when coming into this room to worship didn't happen by accident. No, there were real people whose hearts were stirred to construct this tabernacle, this sanctuary, this room. People brought their time, their talent, and their treasure to construct this building on this property where we get to have that worshipful experience with God. Those meticulous, detail-oriented people have nothing on a guy in our church named Gordon McKenzie. I want to show you a detail that Gordon McKenzie thought of for this worship space. Those of you who know Gordon, you know how attentive he is to details. Sometimes he'll walk in the sanctuary and he'll say, well, hello, Pastor Nathan. I saw there was a light bulb out in the children's wing. I'm like, how did you see that? I'm the car right in. He's so attentive to detail. But I want to show you this detail that he thought of when this room was being constructed. You see these, these wooden uh, rungs here, these wooden slats on the altar table? Does anyone know what he did here? I know some of you do. He wanted to make sure that wherever you were in the room, when you looked at the altar table, you could see these beautiful details of this wood. But he noticed that when the light was on it in such a way, you couldn't see the shadow in between them. So he came with a little bit of light purple paint, and he painted in between each of these rungs. Light purple is the same color as like a shadow. Did anyone here know that Gordon did that? It's so detail-oriented. He's going to hang out in heaven with those goat hair weavers. (laughs) These detail-oriented people who bring their talent to construct the worship space so that we can encounter the living God. There's so many details like that around this building. Those of you who are here during the time, you know that behind all this drywall, behind all these walls, the congregation was invited to come in when it was just studs with Sharpies and Bibles in their hand, and they wrote scripture on all the walls around the whole building. The person who constructed this cross gave his time and his talent. When he was asked to construct a cross, he said, well, Jesus gave so generously on the cross, I'll give you my time and talent to construct this cross. It's like the same story as the people who made the tabernacle all those years ago. They brought, their hearts were stirred. It's beautiful. Now, this beautiful story that's being told both in the tabernacle and in our church, I want to just compare and contrast it for a moment with the story that we read last week, the story of the golden calf. 
because people brought their gold for that construction as well. But it was a whole different scene. I have this table where I want us to just consider for a moment the difference between basically selfish worship and God-focused worship. When the people brought their gold for the golden calf, you remember the story from last week, their minds were racing. Remember they said, Moses is gone, and we don't know what's become of him. Their minds were racing. They were trying to figure it out, and so they built this golden calf. But in the construction of the tabernacle, their hearts were stirred. The phrase is repeated five times in our paragraph. Their hearts were stirred. It's a very different experience bringing gold to worship when your mind is racing and when your heart is stirred. The people making the golden calf, they were motivated by fear. Their leader was gone, and they didn't know what was going to come next, so they constructed this golden calf because they thought it might deliver them. They were motivated entirely by fear, but the people constructing the tabernacle were motivated by faith, that they would meet God in the sanctuary when he would come with his glory. The people constructing the golden calves were doing it for themselves, but the people building the tabernacle were doing it for God. Think about this. The, when Aaron said, bring me your gold for the golden calf, they took their earrings off and they gave enough gold to build a golden calf. But that gold ended up being melted down and put into the water. So that gold's gone. Now when their hearts are stirred to give again, I wonder if it's a more sacrificial gift. You know, they gave out of their earrings to make the golden calf, but it's the same people. Now they're going to give again. It's a little bit deeper now. Maybe they held on to the things that they really liked when they made the golden calf. But now God's stirring their hearts to give from that sacrificial place. They weren't doing it for themselves. They were doing it for God. Lastly, they built something with the golden calf where they would worship something. But with the tabernacle, they were aiming to worship someone. That personal encounter that we get to enjoy and experience when we come into worship, that's someone. He's worthy not a selfish act. It's worshiping someone. Well, I mentioned Gordon McKenzie and his attention to detail and all the people writing on all the two-by-fours on all the walls, all this tabernacle construction, so to speak, of this building. And what's been really beautiful is over the last couple of years, we've watched that same story unfold in Stanford. Those of you who worshiped in Stanford, you used to sit on a a white plastic chair. Anyone ever worship in Stanford and sit on one of those white plastic chairs in the boxing gym? Yeah, you remember those? Bob Newton, he would come every Sunday afternoon and just faithfully set up all those white plastic chairs week after week after week. His whole Sunday. And he did lots of other things around the building as well. And when the worship service was done, he would put all those white chairs back. That's a gift. That's a contribution. The Lord stirred his heart to give his time and his talent, his energy, so that we could experience and encounter the living God in a boxing gym. As Elizabeth said in her testimony, we turned a boxing gym into a sanctuary. We know what that feels like here in this room from all the details that we've talked about earlier, but also there. And how many people met the living God? There was Kathy West as well. Kathy 
uh, would bring the, uh, the food every Sunday night so that we could enjoy some food and fellowship after the service and these paper plates and plastic forks. And with all this maternal care, she would make sure everybody had food on their paper plate. She was really intense about it sometimes. Did you get your empanadas? You remember that? She was making sure everybody, you know, and how many meaningful Holy Spirit-led conversations happened around those paper plate dinners? Because Kathy, week after week after week, her heart was stirred to give that contribution of hospitality to the Lord. There's nothing selfish about that for her. Over the last couple of years now, because of the delay of COVID, I've also been able to see the Lord stir hearts, as he did in the construction of the tabernacle, to give gold, as it were, finances. I've had so much fun witnessing this. People coming to me saying things like, the Lord stirred my heart, the Lord prompted me, the Holy Spirit led me to bring this contribution. And as you know, as you've seen in the reports, millions of dollars have come because the Lord stirred hearts that they might bring their contribution to the Lord. One guy came to meet with us and he, he practically floated in. He was grinning from ear to ear and he delivered his pledge card. And I think he floated off the property as well. He was so full of joy. And I examined his pledge card later and it was seven figures. Can you imagine being that happy about reducing your net worth by that much money? That's only the Lord stirring a heart, giving a contribution to the Lord. That's God at work. And people have given in very small ways comparatively, which are just as meaningful. You remember that scene in the Gospels when a widow, who basically had no money at all, when she came into the temple and she plinked a widow's mite into the offering plate. And some people were kind of more impressed with the wealthy people bringing their big contribution. But Jesus pulled his disciples aside and he said, you know what? That woman gave more because she gave all she had. When the Lord stirs hearts, it doesn't matter how big the gift is. It matters that he's stirring your heart. And we bring that contribution for his sake. Paul Barker he gave these seemingly widow's mite contributions. Day after day, he would make sandwiches, little sandwiches. He would stay up late at night making sandwiches in his kitchen. He would wake up at 4 a.m. and go to the Stamford train station where he would give these sandwiches out to the homeless people sleeping there. And he would get to know them and just love them with the love of Jesus. And he invited them to come to Sandwich in Stamford. And some of them did. We had some homeless people worshiping with us for a long time. And they got really involved in the community there. In fact, one of them, Bob, he became one of our ushers, one of our greeters. He was handing out bulletins. Some of you know Bob. He was just worshiping here a couple weeks ago as well. We might be the only church in Fairfield County who has a homeless person as an usher or greeter. Well, both Bob and a woman named Patty, they got so involved in our community, they started receiving so much love from the community of Sandwich Church that they are both now off the streets. They're in permanent housing because of the love of this community. The Lord stirs hearts. How cool is it that at Stanwich Church, we have people who can give millions of dollars and homeless people all in the same space, worshiping God, coming to the same altar where we realize that the Lamb of God has taken away all our sins. He's atoned for all our sins. I love that. Only God could do that. 
That's the economy of God. And now in recent months, someone bringing an almost incalculable amount of time and talent is Wes Livers. Wes has been leading the whole process of the, uh, acquiring the building in Stanford. He's been doing the due diligence process. So he's, you know, he's got these spreadsheets for miles who manage the, the budget. He's meeting with the construction, the inspectors, the town of Stanford. I'm pretty sure that Wes works more hours in his work week than I do. And he's totally volunteering all of it. Isn't that cool? What a contribution that the Lord stirred his heart to bring. Why? Now, Wes may not even worship in that space in Stanford when we open. He might. He usually worships here in the morning. How cool is it that he's giving this contribution his whole work week for months so that the people of the city of Stanford might have that same encounter with the Holy Spirit that we enjoy in this room? That is truly for God. That's not selfish worship at all. That's for other people, the 200,000 people in Stanford who will now have a chance to meet the living God. Thank you, Wes. Bill Voth and Laura Las Paluto, they give the gift of hospitality. They've been opening their home every other Sunday night where all these young people come and fill their home. These Stanford residents, UConn students, young people, people usually in their 20s, who come and just enjoy a good meal. And I'm telling you, I love going there. The same Holy Spirit presence that we enjoy in worship is in their home because they're bringing their contribution. The Lord has stirred their hearts. I'm looking at Leslie Bolton, whose head is nodding. She brings her contribution of architectural expertise. Reminds me, I got to get in that building with you like this week or next to look at a couple, <laughs> couple things. But her heart was stirred to bring her contribution of her talent towards the construction of Stanwich and Stanford as well. The list goes on and on. I have more stories I could share. We eventually got to go home today. But there are so many stories in this church and throughout church history of God's stirring hearts to give sacrificially time, talent, and treasure, not for ourselves, not based out of fear, but out of faith because we know that God is worthy of all these things. And he desires to meet with us. How cool is that? That experience I shared of coming into this room and having a personal experience with God, I saw so many heads nodding when I said that. I know I'm not alone. How cool is it that the God whose hands flung stars into space, who's that big and powerful, that same being says, you know what I love to do? I love to meet with Wiley, with Joel, with Bev, with Sharon, with Lindley. I love these people and I want them to come into my house, into my sanctuary so I can meet with them, so I can stir their hearts. That's the invitation. It doesn't feel sacrificial at that point, does it? It says, Lord, if you would meet with us, please take my gold, take my skill, take my time. I give it to you so that I can meet with you and have you change me. That's what happened here. I'm going to just read the last verse of our scripture today. How many people's hearts were stirred? What does it say? Verse 29. All the men and women, the people of Israel whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering. To who? 
to the Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you stir hearts. And I pray that even now, you would be stirring hearts. That we might give to you. We might bring contributions to the Lord. Show us, Holy Spirit, what contribution you want us to bring so that we can meet with you, but so that thousands of others can as well. Come, Holy Spirit, reveal these things. In Jesus' name, amen.